everyone, and welcome back to Hate Read. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. And every fortnight, one of us challenges the other to read a book that we are sure they will hate. Uh, this past fortnight, I challenged Em to read a book that we didn't even realize was a book, um, Legally Blonde by Amanda Brown. Uh, so, Em, first things first, did you actually finish this book? I did. Yay! Um, yeah. This shouldn't surprise people too much since this was my rather be reading last fortnight for our Charlie Bone <laughs> episode, but um, because we had a little mix up with that. But yeah, I did manage to finish this book and it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was atrocious. <laughs> and I think especially considering that I absolutely love both the movie and the musical Legally Blonde, um, the movie, like, obviously there are some problematic bits in it, um, but I still think it's, like, a really funny, charming movie. Yeah, it's wonderful. And The, the second one, not so much. The second but... one, not so much. Uh, we'll see how the third one goes, <laughs> yeah. since that's apparently happening. Um, oh, God, really? I yeah, yeah. Reese Witherspoon has been... Oh, gosh. Talking it up in the uh, press recently that she wants to do a third one. Um, Dang. Yeah. So there's the movie, and there's also a musical version, which is... One of the, like, it was, it came out when I was in high school, and um, Anna, you know this, but Mm -hmm. our audience doesn't, that I was a huge theater nerd in high school. Mm -hmm. I was the president of our thespian troupe, and... um, And you still are. I, oh, I still am. I still love musical yeah. theater. But, um, but it's I, not a phase, mom and dad. <laughs> but um, I distinctly remember me and one of the other girls in our troupe would always sing Legally Blonde, the musical, when we were like riding home from practice or whatever. And she would always take Elle Wood's parts because she was a soprano, and I would always take Emmett's parts because I am an alto and cannot sing high so i always got relegated to alto note we're singing alto note um but yeah so like this whole like franchise i guess is kind of like like i really love it but then i read this Mm -hmm. book and i was like well i don't know the the script writers for that movie first of all whoever picked up this book and was like we can make a movie out of this we're just clearly very optimistic people because I would never have read this book and thought, oh, we should make this a movie. But also they deserve like a freaking Oscar for that screenplay. Just (laughs) based on screenplay. Right. Like based on this book, the amount of work they had to put in to make that movie as like funny and charming as it is. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't think it's that good of a movie, like just the, the, changes from this book to that movie that had to happen I'm like they Mm -hmm. were doing some heavy lifting because this book was a fucking mess this book was absolutely lifeless compared to it was so bad no charm no wit no I don't know it's just it's just terrible and yes I think Reese Witherspoon does a lot in that Mm -hmm. role to like make it pretty iconic but there's so many other side characters and things where there I mean there were a ton of side characters in this book which is one of my biggest problems with it is because I was like I don't know who any of these I don't know who you're talking about um (laughs) uh but they were not interesting they were flat they were just everything was no one really changed and L maybe did a little bit but not a significant amount. It was No, not, not at all. I mean, mm-hmm. like, here's the thing. Like, Elle in the movie slash musical 
The whole premise is essentially that she is actually a very nice, charming, and smart person, and people underestimate her. Mm-hmm. And she underestimates herself to some degree and eventually, like, figures out that she is a smart person. Mm-hmm. Elle in the book is a fucking idiot and a bitch. Like, I was like, <laughs> you are so mean. You're so mean yeah. to people. And I mean, again, this is kind of ironic that we're calling someone out for being mean on a podcast dedicated to hating on books, but... <laughs> She's meaner than us. She's way <laughs> mean and, like, catty and, like, just not enjoyable at all I was just like you are I would not want to be around you I don't want to hang out with you yeah she there were there were a lot of like her and Warner's relationship and like yeah even after she became friends with Sarah in some capacity Warner's new fiance like she was still trying to get so gross Warner yeah it was was so gross and she was like I don't know. She came off in the book as she was smart in this way that she just like for some reason never needed to go or pay attention in class um, at, in law school. And she was still able to pass all of her classes, which I was like, that seemed from the little I know of law school, that seems a little bit unrealistic. But well, I don't sure. think that it was even that like she was. I don't know. It just I guess we kind of have to talk about like what what actually happens in this book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, it's because it's not at, it's not as similar to the movie as you would think. Yeah, there's some major yeah. major differences. Um, and I'm aside just from the utter lack the of charm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, you're, yeah, I'm just assuming that everyone in the world has seen the movie, but I mean, maybe they haven't. They might not have because my parents hadn't seen this movie when I mentioned that this was the book we were reading for. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode, and so we watched it a few weeks ago, me and my mom and dad, and that was an experience because <laughs> me and I feel like me and my parents have very different tastes in movies, yeah. and they were both so into this movie, and it was very funny. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it it speaks to a lot of people. It's just fun. It's just a fun yeah. good movie. Like it's not Citizen Kane. No one's claiming that, but you know, oh, God, it's like no. really fun and cute. Like. Yeah, it always puts me in a good mood. Like, I've seen right, it exactly. many times. I love it. Yeah. So. All right. Do you want to start with the recap, I guess? Let's get into it. Um, <laughs> let me get to the start of my book here. Okay, so we're introduced to Elle Woods, who is a student at, uh, already I'm blanking on the name, UCS? USC? USC. USC. <laughs> And the way we're introduced to her is that she is in her room at the sorority and her two friends, Margot and Serena, are arguing about their boobs, which is fun. (laughs) And meanwhile, Elle is just so busy uh, worrying about her big event tonight that she can't join in the boob talk. It's such a shame. Uh, right, uh, because uh, Elle thinks that tonight is the night that her long-term boyfriend, Warner, is going to propose to her. Mm-hmm. So they go out to eat at their the favorite restaurant or like the restaurant they went to on their first date or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't care. And, <laughs> and Warner, of course, is like, the conversation is 
leading in a direction that could be read as Warner being about to propose. But of course, he's actually breaking up with Elle because Warner is a sociopath. And this isn't like this isn't the only time in the book she falls for this right. stupid right. Warner's taking me to dinner trap, which is super annoying to me. Right. Like one time it's funny. Um if yeah. it's done well, I would argue this it this I I can't fault this scene too much because it is very similar to the adaptation scenes and I think it works well in those. I I don't know if it works well in this cuz while I was reading this I was just like, "Ellie, you're being fucking stupid." Yeah. Well, that and like gross. You're being gross. Mm. Stop being gross. Yes. So <laughs> they break up because Warner thinks that um, Elle is not a serious enough person, that his family expects certain things of him. He wants to be mm-hmm. in politics and she could never be on his arm. And I think they use the Marilyn Jackie line at some point in here. But that's the famous line from the movie slash musical. And I'm sorry, guys, I'm going to be referencing the movie and musical a lot in this. Um, but <laughs> They're just so good. They're so much better. Um which, incidentally, much better is a song in the musical. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Warner breaks up with Elle because she's not enough of a Jacqueline Kennedy type and more of a Marilyn Monroe type, which uh, could be read as he's insulting her blondness. So Elle goes and is despondent over the fact that she was dumped. Her friends are, you know, enraged on her behalf. But somehow... I'm trying to remember how it is. Like, they somehow convince her to follow him. Yeah. I'm trying to remember who actually has the idea. I think she's the one who has the idea, but I'm trying to see what... Mm. I think she just kind of decides to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's chapter five. She It starts with... Uh, she's God, crying. Five and then, chapters. Oh I know. <laughs> she's crying. She gets resolved. And then at 3 a.m., she decides she's going to go to law school to beat Warner at his own game, which that mm-hmm. would be great if it was like a revenge story. Yeah. That would be like, fine. I'm going to go kick ass at law school. Right. I'd be on board with that, which is essentially, again, movie musical. What the adaptations mm-hmm. do is about halfway through. Well, not even halfway through earlier than that. She realizes that yeah. what she really wants is to be better than him and to prove mm-hmm. that she not necessarily to get him back, although that's still kind of on the table at that point, but to prove that she is like a serious person and, can do the same and capable and capable right whereas this yeah, it's yeah it's always just i gotta do this to get warner back um yes even like it, i think it's like it's like 80 percent of the way through the, of the yes. way yeah that she finally gives up on warner and she doesn't even like confront him about that until the very 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 yeah. end like oh it's so very unsatisfying so yeah she decides she's going to go to law school. So she's, she studies for the LSAT. She, you know, gets a decent enough grade on that, I guess. A decent, decent enough score on that. Um, yeah. She goes and tells her family, and they're astounded, but they're like, well, you can do whatever you want, I guess, because we have money. They'll yeah, pay for it, yeah. and they, you know, whatever. <laughs> so she zips off to Stanford. Mm hmm which is where they are going in this version, not Harvard. Mm-hmm. And uh, she arrives at Stanford and is treated in a way that is utterly insane and would not happen yes. in the real world. 
So she was accepted to this law school, but everyone, literally everyone from the dean on down is just talking shit about her constantly. They have like a opening ceremony sort of thing where the dean is like giving a speech and he's like recognizing all of the great people that are in their class. Mm-hmm. And he's he's all, oh, this person was a valedictorian and, and did this and this and volunteered at this. And this person was a Rhodes Scholar and this person was this. And then it's like, let me see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, he goes, and now, ladies and gentlemen, what class would be complete without a sorority president? The dean smirked to a scattering of boos and laughter. Even Warner was among them. Miss L. Woods, he gestured for her to stand, also has the distinction of being among thousands of applicants, our only homecoming queen. Like, what the fuck kind of L. shit Redden, is that? as Dean House continued. Appropriate, appropriate to Silicon Valley, our own Pentium Blonde. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, who does that? Who's like, what? No, I know who does that. Like, Heads of sororities in terrible teen movies where there's a mean sorority. Yeah, like that's who does this that. This isn't hazing. Not the dean of a law school. You've already been accepted into the law school. Why isn't right someone like probably fifty years older than her, like right. hazing her? Right. <laughs> what is going it's on? It's so bizarre. That would never happen. Yeah, and it it would never happen. And it's so weird because like everyone in her cohort and everyone would like. The professors and everything seems to know everything about her background and brings it yes. up. Every, everyone is obsessed with Elle Woods. It makes no sense to me. And here's the thing. Everybody talks shit about her all the time, mm-hmm. but the guys still want to fuck her. And I'm like, this is yeah. so uncomfortable, this whole situation. Like, mm, it's gross. It's super I gross, you that's guys. Like, if I had to describe this book in one word, it would just be gross. Like, Right. It was written in 2002. Like there I that's... think I think part of what this is is it was like in that kind of valley and not trying to be like you know, we talk about feminism in waves and that's not really a very good way to understand feminism mm-hmm. because of like feminism has always been happening and a lot of times the parts in between the waves were handled more by like people of color and queer women and things like that. But there are kind of three mainstream waves of feminism Mm -hmm. and I think this is kind of in that low point in the early 2000s when feminism wasn't cool anymore and because there's a lot of feminist bashing in this book Mm -hmm. there's a character who's a feminist and is ridiculous but like just the fact that that's the kind of that the the only character who identifies as a feminist like Mm -hmm. if you're gonna have a character identify as a feminist that the only one who does so is the type who's like we can't use the word penuary because it has peen in it and stuff like that like yeah yeah. she's very militant and exaggerated about her yes yeah which is not anything i've ever experienced in real life outside of like reddit maybe yeah (laughs) (laughs) some Um, corners of tumblr maybe right right yeah i as i say it's just kind of like this whole book has that weird kind of i guess it's not weird i don't know like that brand of feminism that is like i am i'm a feminist because i choose to be that type of stereotypical girly girl and that is my Mm -hmm. choice and um you know 
just because I am obsessed with how I look or because I put my, you know, like a manicure and a haircut above other, like, I guess. Going to class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to class or being being a quote-unquote more serious person, that doesn't make me less of a woman. And while that is true, it also takes a very, like, derogatory stance against both that and a more, like, quote-unquote serious kind of feminist, you know? So it's just, like, a weird... Yeah, I think I it, don't know what the author it, was going for. It bashes, like, people who actually self-identify as feminists, mm-hmm. which I think that around this time there were a lot of people who had what we would consider feminist values, but of, you know, women can make their own choices and things like that, mm-hmm. but wouldn't self-identify as feminist. So because there was kind of that whole, oh, feminists are just bra burners sort of thing going around yeah. at this time. There's a lot of rhetoric like that. Mm-hmm. So I think there's there's that going on on the one hand. I don't think that Amanda Brown, at least at the time writing this, would have said, oh, Elle Woods is a feminist. Because I think mm. in the ethos of this book, feminist is like a very specific, like that sort of militant feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, like you're right, that it's trying to say, oh, we shouldn't blame her for making these choices but at the same time, I think that, A, it does look down on other women who make the opposite choice of L, who do study and do work mm-hmm. hard and are looking for different things than L. B, it's not actually very kind to women who make the same sort of choices as L either. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, and I mean, like, C, Margot and Serena are totally invalidated right. as characters. And those are her two best friends from when she was in her sorority I don't know if we mentioned that yet but they are I, yeah I don't kind of I like think we mentioned their heads yeah. yeah um yeah because she she talks some real shit about them later on in the yeah, book her best friends even though they're following the same sort of life path that she would have been leading if she hadn't gone to law school which she only did to follow Warner mm-hmm. and also it's just very unrealistic and it's like idea that oh women can have it all they can, you know, have the perfect manicure and be a great law student. But the way that Elle achieves that is just by getting a manicure and then lucking out and having a lot of people try to help her. Yeah, for no, for reason. no reason. Like, it's not through any impetus or work of her own that she's successful. So it's just a gross message all the way around. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's not good or healthy. And it's certainly not yeah. the Elwoods of Reese Witherspoon fame. No, absolutely not. Um, So she's at Stanford. She meets back up with Warner, who, it turns out, is engaged to a brunette, no less. Uh, Uh, Yeah, and can we talk about, like, the blonde versus brunette bashing again? It's so bizarre. Very a la uh, Little House in the Big Woods. Yes. (laughs) That's That's what they grew up to be. Laura yeah, except Barry. in this version, <laughs> we're, we're getting it from the blonde's perspective yeah. mm-hmm. instead of the brunettes. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the focus on blonde in this mo- or movie, in this book, mm-hmm. like, Elle, Elle has this idea that blondes can't be mean people, and there's, like, true blondes and fake blondes, and it doesn't really have to do with, like if you were born with blonde hair naturally, it's just if you have the soul and spirit of a blonde. And I'm like, that's not, that has zero to do with the hair color. You're just describing if a person's nice or not. Like, what are you doing? You're just describing personalities of people. (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> but she's like, but it has to do with being blonde. But you can be blonde without actually being blonde or being born blonde. And you just haven't dyed your hair the right color yet. It's like, what are you talking about? No, no it's bad. Stop it. It's Elle. so stupid. <laughs> so we're treated to several chapters of Elle in law school and kind of the stuff we've all talked about, how everybody's just mean to her. And we get like 800 side characters, quirky <sighs> students at Stanford. That all act like children. So you've got that all act like children. And I like you, they, they all have like one character trait or thing that defines them. Like there's the guy who's a Trekkie and there's the guy the perverted who perverted Trekkie, his... by the way, who, Oh reads, yeah. The perverted Trekkie. Yeah, he of reads like a, erotica fan fiction and stuff in class yes and there's like the guy who brings his wife to uh yeah the professor who brings his wife to lectures what (laughs) like it's a couple's Um, activity okay right it's very and so they all have one defining quirk Mm -hmm. not really even personality trait but quirk that then gets brought up over and over again through the book so they don't, most of them don't do anything. No, yeah. They react to Elle and that's about it. Yeah. So they're all and very so boring and I hated them. them all. So there's many. There's so many. And they all have such boring names. Yes. And I can't keep them yeah, straight. Yeah, like, the only one I knew was the guy who turned out to be the secret angel because his name was obnoxious. Didn't, nope, couldn't tell you what his name is. Could not tell you. Lawrence. Sure. I'm you pretty could, sure. You could be telling me the truth. You could be yeah. lying. I don't know because I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's like this whole subplot that's introduced in the book where someone gives Elle the outlines to the classes, which I guess are like study guides, um, and leaves them with poems in her student mailbox on a regular basis, confessing his love for her and how he wants her to stay in law school because she's so beautiful. And... We're not even introduced to the character who it could be until like way after this whole subplot is brought in. And so we have no way of guessing who the secret angel would be. Right. And we also don't really care. Yeah. Because Elle doesn't none care. None of it. Elle doesn't care. And then when she does find out that this is, it's this guy. Lawrence, right? Yeah, I think so. He he was yeah. like an English professor who didn't get tenure, so went back to law school to become a lawyer. Yeah. So she finds that out, and she's like, she confront, or I guess he really just kind of tells her. It's not even like she figures it out or anything. Yeah. She's an idiot. He walks um, up to her and he says, "You're too sexy for law school," which is gross. Which is gross. But also, he wants to keep her there in law school. Like, so. She's like, your poems are so amazing, which they weren't, but why are you wasting your time here? And he's like, I don't think it's a waste of time. A poet is a poet as long as they have one in the audience, which I hate you both so much. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But that's literally the end of that subplot that never get like 
Yeah. She never goes on a date with him or... He never asks for anything in return. He never asks her out. She's never like, this whole situation was creepy. You need to stop stalking me, you weirdo. Like, none of that happens. It's just like, it's revealed and that's the end of that. And it's like, it's totally normal for her to be like, you're right, I am a beautiful woman and I did deserve your help in this instance. And so you should give me things. Yes. Thank you. That was the whole moral of that story. Right. (laughs) You should give beautiful women things because they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just it. Yeah. Uh, so all this blather about law school. She uh she doesn't get along with Sarah, who is Warner's fiance, because she's trying to fuck Warner and Sarah does not want that to happen. So like yeah. obviously. And Warner's um, low-key trying to fuck L too, so Yeah. Like real low-key though, because that's the thing. He he is constantly, like, very obviously into Elle, mm-hmm. but doesn't really do anything about it or acknowledge it or, like, I don't know. It was just a really weird situation. Yeah, he keeps asking her to meet him places, and she goes very willingly to do these things for him. And then, and it- then he says things that make it seem like they're going to get back together, and then, oh, turns out he's talking about something else entirely. Yeah, yeah, there's a part of the book where he... It's revealed, I guess, that he has this super secret creative sign where he really wants to just direct documentaries instead of go to law school. Which, again, nothing came out of that. Exactly, yeah. Um, And so there's all this kind of, like, rhetoric about how Elle is the only one that understands Warner and is the only one that could possibly, you know, help him reach his full potential as a creative individual. And so I was like, well, maybe, like, this is going to be weird and Warner kind of turns a new leaf and they they stay together. I thought that's how yeah. I kind of thought that was where it was headed. Spoilers, it didn't, but which is a good thing. <laughs> but gross. his character was just so all over the place; it was ridiculous. Yeah. And then I don't know. We'll talk about that when we get there. It's like the ways that L has like learned to wrangle his personality. I'm like, this is an abusive, Ugh. emotionally abusive relationship that you were in with Warner. Like, can we please? Anyway, we'll get there it's, when we get there. It's a mess. So. I'm skipping over a lot of the first 50% of this book because basically matter. nothing happens yeah. except Elle goes to class, um, which I don't know. Or like doesn't. I've gone to classes I or doesn't like I've gone to classes and also skipped classes. So I don't need a book about that mm-hmm. because like I've lived that life. I'm cool. Yeah. Um, oh, well, she also gets manicures to be fair. And right. That's true. And I haven't done that. So, you know, that is that is a thing that uh, was enjoyable to me to read. Well, and if you're a fan of the movie, then you'll remember the very famous like bend Mm, and snap mm. scene and that whole relationship that she has with that with the character of her nail technician. None of that is present in this book. She has it's a French woman that like is a sounding board for Elle's obsession with Warner. And that's it. Yeah. And they're not even really friends. No. And she disappears for a good 70% of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she's like kind of heavy in the beginning. And then she calls her towards the end. She's like, I got to go get a manicure and calls Josette. And that's, they don't even have a scene together. Mm-hmm. So she's really irrelevant, like 80% of these characters. Yep. 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 <laughs> um, but in case you were wondering what the whole deal is with that subplot, if you've seen the movie, it doesn't exist. Yep. <laughs> so uh, we get to the point where. There is a guy named Christopher Miles, mm-hmm. which I have a lot of feelings about that name. Um, number one, I thought it was like his middle name, 
or like he's like Christopher Robin. <laughs> so that's kind of the type of like I was literally kind of picturing him as Christopher Robin, like the majority of this book. Oh my gosh. But actually Miles is his last name, but they literally always refer to him as Christopher Miles. And I'm like, why are you doing that though? That's yeah. so weird. Call him Mr. Miles or Christopher. Because mm-hmm. he's like Els but spoiler, he ends up being El's boss. Mm-hmm. So why are you full naming him? It's weird. I don't get it. So I thought he was, yeah. yeah. But then I was like, oh, no, wait. The law firm is like Miles and something. So that's his last name. Unless his name's Christopher Miles Miles. I guess. Which seems like <laughs> a thing that would be a name for one of the people in these books. It's kind of but, like Chris Traeger calling everyone by their full name. Yeah, except everyone does it to him and it's yeah. not endearing. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so this guy, Christopher Miles, who is a lawyer at this law firm that is Miles and something. He needs some interns, so he hires some, and Mm -hmm. one of them is Elle, because the case he's working on is uh, this woman who went to USC with some overlap with Elle, and they were both in sororities, although different sororities, and Elle took an aerobics class from her. Mm -hmm. So he hires... Warner, Sarah, Warner's girlfriend, some other girl who's irrelevant. Fran, Fran, the militant feminist. But her name's not Fran. Yeah, her name's Fran. No, it's not. I could have swore her name was Fran. There's someone named Fran that hangs out with them. I swear to God, it's not Fran. (laughs) There is a Fran who's the militant feminist, but this other girl is like, see something. Oh, yeah, that's right. There is another girl that like doesn't do anything, but she is hired. And actually, I think Fran disappears around the time she's hired. Maybe she... Fran goes to the goes to the um, trial, though. The court... Okay, mm-hmm. okay. I was about to say, like, maybe she, like, messed up and changed her name halfway through the book and forgot to, like, that search and replace hilarious. it. But her name is something with a is C. Is it, like, Corey or Carrie or something? Carrie, Carrie, Carrie. Yes, Carrie. but it's, like, C-A-R-I. Yeah. Yes, yes. But we, she uh, has literally... She's irrelevant. Yeah, she doesn't she's matter. mentioned as being hired, and that's it. And she, like, shows up, but literally everything she does could just be replaced by Sarah or Warner, because mm-hmm. it's all like, oh, I did, filed this paperwork, or whatever. But yeah, Carrie, um, he hires because she has, like, a track record with volunteer work and has very good grades. Warner, he hires because he knew Warner's dad. Mm-hmm. Sarah, he hires because he knew Sarah's dad. And L he hires because she was in a sorority. So again... In the movie slash musical, mm-hmm. this part where she gets an internship is because, supposedly, at the time, she thinks, because she has very good grades and has been doing well in law school. Mm-hmm. So she's, like, the top four in the class, and she, you know, has impressed the professors and whatever. Mm-hmm. There's literally none of that here. It's not like she thinks she was hired because she's good at law. Right. He straight up tells her she was hired because... She has a good personality, which yes, and knows the uh her her blah, and knows his client. Like that's not well. She she's accomplished nothing. And the whole like interview process is so sketch because it's so weird. She he so they have a formal interview, but then it quickly just just turns into a discussion. And at the end of the discussion, Elle says, "So let's go have dinner together." And right. at this place, it's casual. Pick me up at this time. And he's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And so then they have, like, a dinner date. 
which in the book I was like, okay, like, you really shouldn't try to, like, I hate the, the dynamic of, like, a boss and an employee relationship, but maybe that's where this book is going because, like, they were, they were just friends, like, that's what it felt like is they just became friends and he was like, I'm going to give you a job now. Right. And then, I, I don't know. It, it was so weird. It's just like they it went on a so date and it culminated yeah. in her getting a job offer. Yes. <laughs> and she kept saying stuff like, oh, finally, a date with a guy who can keep his hands to himself. And I'm like, so you are thinking of this romantically. Yeah, yeah. Or like how nice of a man. Or to- you're just so used to being sexually assaulted on yeah. like dinners with friends that like this is also a problem Elle. we need to talk about this <laughs> you have yeah you have some issues with how you connect with men like <laughs> it doesn't always need to be this this game like you could have just had the interview like it sounded like you were a shoe in when you were talking at the office like you i don't think you needed to go to dinner with him or ask right. him to dinner in this very strange way i don't know <laughs> i feel like because Spoiler alert, she doesn't end up with this guy either, which is where I thought this was going for a little Me bit. And too, I was going to be curious like, about it. But he was, like, kind of supportive of her and stuff, too, at the same time. Yeah, which I was so like, oh, I that's think, nice. I think, actually, what this is supposed to be is he is seeing this as just a totally boss-employee relationship, and Elle just has no framework for that. Yeah, she has no idea. Like, she doesn't get that guys that you work with aren't supposed to hit on you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of what I, cause it, again, it's mainly from her perspective, not first person, but you know, her viewpoint and whatnot. And it, it just seems like she's expecting something to happen with them, but it's not that she wants something to happen with them. It's just like, she's expecting it, yeah. which is really sad. She's expecting <laughs> um, to be a victim. Yeah. It's gross. And her relationship with men is crap. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So she gets the job. She starts working for Christopher Miles. Mm-hmm. Um, the job, the the case, is a... What's the word I'm looking for? Murder? Um, <laughs> no. No, because it's not the murder. Oh, it's the will. It's, the, it's like... The will. Yeah, right, it's weird. Because it's both of them, though, right? He's, like, representing well, her for both. I don't think he's representing her in the murder part. I think... I think he's... Un- <laughs> that's the thing. I think he's unrelated to that. Uh... That's and I so think it just weird. kind of so weird. So so essentially, it it this is the same basic plot as the movie with this, where it's this woman Brooke who has a fitness empire married this old man named Hayworth Vandermark, and then he was murdered. Brooke was supposedly discovered with the body by Hayworth's daughter Chutney. Chutney, that's not a name. <laughs> That is something you spread on a sandwich. Well, her mom's <laughs> name is Emerald, so... But chutney is a food item. <laughs> well, there are other food item names. I guess. Yeah, I guess Gwyneth Apple. Paltrow named her kid... <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow named her kid Apple. Um, oh. I'm trying to think of others. Uh, egg salad. <laughs> Hi, I'm egg salad. Nice to meet you. No, all one word. Egg salad. (laughs) Please name your next kid egg salad. Uh, Chicken pot pie. 
chicken pot pie. Uh, hot pie in Game of Thrones. Oh, that's true. But, but also, that's, also that's his nickname <laughs> because he makes hot pies. And also, that's like a fantasy world. <laughs> Not hmm. LA. Hmm. I guess like cookie. Oh, yeah. Cookie. That's um, kind of like as in monster. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. All right. Um, <laughs> anyway, Chutney. <laughs> so Chutney discovered Brooke over the body, and now she is on trial for murder. But also, more importantly, in this version, she is going to court to deal with this whole issue of inheritance because if she did murder her husband, then she is not allowed to receive anything in the will. Mm-hmm. Which the will was... Uh, changed fairly recently to give everything to Hayworth's most beautiful wife, which is exactly what he wrote in the will. And I don't know what lawyer he was consulting that said that was a good idea, but yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, so and, it's being contested on two fronts. One of which right. is the did she murder her husband for the will, in which case she'll get no money. And secondly, is she his most beautiful wife? Right. Except that that second front, like so many things in this book, goes absolutely nowhere because they build it up like they're like, oh, maybe we could get the ex the other ex wives on our side because they'll also want to prove that Mm -hmm. Brooke didn't kill him because then the will stands and they can get the money. Um, Yeah, because for some reason it all goes to Chutney if Brooke is a murderer. Well, it goes to it goes to um to like the usual laws of inheritance mm-hmm. if a will is if a will isn't valid it just goes there's like a set okay um standard way of dividing assets okay. so chutney's his only surviving kid so she'd get most of it her mom would get some of it because of whatever law mm-hmm. with that where that she gets because she had a kid with them she gets a third of the estate i glossed so over it, so much of the legalese in this that yeah there was funny. a lot but mm-hmm. that's actually just something that like i know from trolling legal hmm. advice on reddit um <laughs> to be to be clear trolling like going and reading not, not like trolling advice. like i'm giving bad legal advice on reddit to i'm be clear. totally a lawyer um, <laughs> um so yeah so we have to go through this whole again there's just chapter after chapter of them trying to figure out what to do with this whole Situation and their solution is to get the alibi from Brooke, which Brooke, who's the one who's on trial. Um, I don't know if we'd said her name yet, but yeah, <laughs> Brooke was at a Shoppers Anonymous yeah, meeting. Which, like, in the movie, her alibi is that she was getting liposuction or plastic surgery. Liposuction. Yes, which which is a million times better. Yes, for a twist. because it's so much more detrimental to her like career and her life. If people find out about her alibi. Right. But And she's also, she's she's telling everyone her alibi. She's like, I was at this meeting, which I just can't have anybody from that meeting show up. Which doesn't make... Okay, well, surely there's like, there's someone in charge of the meeting that they could verify mm-hmm. with, without revealing anyone else who was, who was at the meeting for support. Like, can you just tell me that Brooke was there? Well, I don't think they can because Mm -hmm. the like i don't think there's like a person who does like check-ins or whatever because it's supposed to be okay so everyone i guess was supposed to be anonymous even the life yeah life what was it they called the yeah the life the life life coaches i think like helpers something Mm -hmm. but they because they were former addicts too Mm -hmm. so but i would argue that the solution here would have been for her to 
go to her shopper anonymous meeting and say, hey guys, I'm on trial for murder and I need an alibi. I totally get that we all want to be anonymous and I respect that and I'm not going to turn any of you in, but would any of you be willing to come and do this? Yeah. Like, did she do that at any point? No, I think she just assumed that, like, and here, here's the other thing too, is like, who's, okay, so there was one other like famous person, it was like a, a newscaster or something that was in their support group. But Oh, and I totally missed that. Yeah, but like, who's going to shame like a dentist for going to a home shopping network addict's right. meeting? Well, but again, there was a lot of, um. People making fun of Brooke for this, mm-hmm. like even L was mean about it. Was like <laughs> snide about it <laughs> in a similar way to. to and that's so funny. I can't imagine anyone addicted to shopping. I'm going to go talk to the network that um, you're supposed the home shopping network that you're addicted to, and get them to sell my jewelry. And then I'm going to try to sell it to you. And I'm not going to care that you're in recovery for being addicted to it because yeah. you're addicted to shopping, and that's not real. Which I mean, like we can debate whether or not a shopping addiction is a real thing, but. Regardless, if someone tells you they're addicted to Home Shopping Network, don't then come up to them and try to sell them shit from Home Shopping yeah, Network, Yeah, and be like, bitch. hey, watch like, me on my new show on the Home Shopping Network, which, also, how is she going to have time to have a TV show on the Home Shopping Network not. and also go to law school and be... She's not. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway. It's a ridiculous premise. Um, but yeah, so everybody is, in this universe, is dismissive of people with this addiction in a similar way that people are just dismissive of L for being in a sorority and being blonde and hot and whatever, mm-hmm. which is like, I get that there are, I, I will agree that there are tendencies to think of women in certain roles as stupid or dumb or whatever. Like, yeah, I do think that people at a law school might hear, Oh, she was the president of her sorority and she was a model and whatever. And be like, Pfft. This girl thinks she's going to get through law school? Come on. I I agree that that might be a thing that she has to come up against. But mm-hmm. the, like, level of hazing that goes on to both of these women that people are just openly dismissive yeah. and rude about it, that wouldn't happen. People, like, yes, there are different challenges that more attractive women face in being, taken you know, seriously. taken seriously. Yeah. But this isn't it. Yeah, and people are putting, like, naked Barbies in her student mailbox yes. and stuff. Like, what? It's bizarre. <laughs> Everyone is, like, a serial killer in this book. I don't understand. Right. <laughs> oh, man. That would have been such a better book if it turned out this entire class of students at Stanford Law were just serial killers. That's why and then they were going to law like, school. It turned into, like, a battle royale of serial killers at the end with, like... <laughs> Everyone trying to kill Elle first. <laughs> but her just thinking they're all super attracted to her. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that's... um, The whole stuff with Brooke takes up most of the second half of this book with them uh-huh. trying to figure out how to figure out her case without the alibi and then also more bullshit with... Um, law school being boring and Elle skipping. And then... And still trying to win back Warner... And still trying to win back Warner. But, and then... Oh, go ahead. But I was at the same time, also, by this point in the book, befriending Sarah and helping yeah. Sarah be a better fiancé to Warner. Which yes. I thought this part was so disgusting. Because not only is she, like, one, betraying this friendship by 
very seriously going after this woman's fiance mm-hmm. like in a very predatory way but also like the advice that she was giving Sarah on how to gross. stay with Warner it was absolutely disgusting so Warner is like constantly comparing Sarah to Elle apparently mm-hmm. which is what drives Sarah to go speak with Elle that's how they bond because she's like Warner said that you work out twice a day and I just don't know how to use the Stairmaster. Can you help me work out and I will teach you how to do law school? And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Or like, Warner's mad that I did really well in law school and I don't know how to make him feel better about my success when he's failing law school. How would you handle this? And I was like, you need to make everything about him and you need to act like... <laughs> the world revolves around him and the sun rises because of him. Like, look, look, these are the things she said in the book. Like you need, I've got, I've got the, the, uh, quote up here. Yeah. It's, um, you want to know how to make him love you more? Sarah nodded sheepishly. You can't. Sarah sat motionlessly, but Elle felt her rival had grown skeptical. Elle knew that what she had said about Warner was true. She sat forward, leaning her elbows on the desk and explained, Sarah, don't you see that Warner loves himself as much as he has room to love anything? He won't love you one bit more for your achievement. It didn't do anything for him. Sarah took off her wool cardigan, placing it on the chair back, which that's a needless detail, but whatever. Yeah, it's because she's ugly. Um, we have to be reminded. Right, she has a cardigan on. <laughs> you want Warner's love? I'll tell you how to get it. Make him believe you think the sun waits to rise until he gets up. Elle said matter-of-factly. Unqualified admiration. That's what keeps Warner going. It's so wrong and gross and yucky. Like, Which, like, at this, this point, I'm like, I feel like the way she's talking about him, mm-hmm. it should be, what it should be is her saying, you want Warner's love? I'll tell you how to get it. Make him believe you think the sun wants to rise until he gets up. Yeah, like unqualified admiration. Sarcastic. That's what keeps Warner going. But she's like saying it straight faced. She's like, "Oh yeah, this is what you should do." Yeah. And it's like, "L, no, stop." And stop. There's even I think there's even an aside where she's like, "L wasn't sure how she felt about giving Sarah such good advice about how to stay right. with Warner." And I'm like, "That's not no relationship should be balanced in that way. Like, why are you both so obsessed with this obviously, like, emotionally abusive man? This is terrible. Right. But then she does she does say, like, she thought it was funny to think about Sarah taking this advice and, like, having to be humble and cater to his almighty ego and Elle didn't envy her. And I'm like, okay, so this should be the point then where you realize after you just gave her this advice that the, like... You gave her this advice straight face, and then you realize, wait a second, Warner's terrible. Why do I want to be with him? All that stuff sounds This shitty. should be the moment. This should be the moment that you realize that, but she just keeps going. She's like, nope, yep, still want to fuck him. Yeah, I like, can't wait to get back with him. Right, like, he's my he's my one true love. Um, mm. And it's gross, and I hated it. It is very, very bad. So. Oh, God. So, yeah, we get... Uh, most of the rest of the book going back and forth with this shit. And then there's the scene where she goes out to dinner with Warner and he does the exact same thing that he did in the beginning where he's like, 
I just feel like you really get me and I'm finally going to do this thing. And, you know, screw Sarah. Who cares what she wants? It's like, okay, you're going to break up with Sarah and get with Elle. Mm -hmm. And Elle's like, he's going to break up with her and get with me. And then (laughs) Warner's like, I'm going to start golfing again. And then Elle goes to the bathroom and cries about it. Like, why are you still giving this man the time of day? Why do you care? He's obviously trash. And also, why did Sarah not want him to golf? Yes. Isn't that like what lawyers and doctors, like, isn't that the stereotype? Like, oh, we're going to go out golfing now. I guess it's supposed to be like, you don't get to golf until you, because that's the until thing. We've, it. we've <laughs> right. We found out that Warner is basically failing all of his classes, so Sarah's very distraught about that and is like mm-hmm. worried that he's going to get kicked out, and then worried that he won't get get through law school, and then like her family won't give him a job and whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, so I guess like maybe she's like, I don't think you should go golfing on the weekends because you need to study. That could be. <laughs> and, and Warner's just like this. Bitch is not letting me golf. How dare she? I need she? to go talk to my ex about this. <laughs> I want to make, and it's not even like, what do you think right. I should do, Elle? It's, I'm inviting you to dinner to make this to announcement make this about big changes coming in my life. That big right. change is I'm going to start playing golf again. Right. And also, have we heard anything about him golfing up no, to this point? No. Just like no. every other like, facet of his personality, it's just convenient for this, whenever it's convenient for the story, that's when it's going to appear. Like, this would at least have made kind of some sort of sense if he was like, I'm going to start filmmaking again in my spare time. Yes, remember that Because detail? we've heard about that. That's what we've I thought. We've heard about that. You told us about that. We at least are theoretically invested in that storyline. Mm-hmm. But you have not told us anything about Warner's great love for golf. Like, it was infuriating. It was and so he stupid. even brought stupid fucking golf tees to show her. Yeah, he like pulled them yes. out of his pocket and yes. opened his palm, and she thought it was gonna be the engagement ring, and it was <laughs> golf tees. And it was just golf tees. Like, <laughs> what? what a dumb asshole this guy is. <laughs> but then that's the thing. It's like in these sorts of books where they're with the wrong person. Like you have to make it so that the person is wrong enough that it's clear they're with the wrong person. But mm-hmm. at the same time, if you go this far, where he's so clearly the wrong person, not just for Elle, but for humanity, that... <laughs> for everyone. For every States. human ever. That it's like, you as the reader are like, I get that this guy is fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. Why does she not get this? How can she be this dumb yes. that she doesn't understand how garbage he is? Yes. This isn't this isn't like subtle emotional manipulation. This is straight up he sucks. Like yeah. give me a reason to root for her to leave him. Like at this point I wouldn't be like, you're right, they deserve each other. Sarah should fuck off and let the right. two of them They're both get together. Stupid. Yes. Like Ugh. God. Infuriating. Also, um a hundred percent I was shipping Sarah and L through ninety percent of this book. Oh yeah. Yeah, because like I would love that too. That'd be a that would have been such a great twist if they were just like fuck Warner. Let's make out. Like, (laughs) who needs men? um, They go to the trial and Mm -hmm. all of the Stanford students are there. Everyone shows up. It's like a party. Everyone shows up because I don't know. We needed to have all of the characters in one room so that we can know how many characters there are. I don't. They can all see LB successful. Right. It's very dumb. Mm -hmm. Um. Warner confronts Elle right beforehand about how oh my God. she's not a good lawyer. 
and she this doesn't isn't deserve her. to be there. She doesn't deserve to be there. And Elle's finally like, oh, this guy sucks. He's mean to me and doesn't believe in me. And I probably shouldn't be dating him. Wow. But she doesn't say any of this to Warner. So then trial starts. It's very boring. Mm-hmm. Same twist as the movie where it turns out that Chutney. God, Chutney is not a name. <laughs> Chutney. Her claim about the event. And here's the thing. They give us every single witness and they go through like all of their testimony testimony. And I'm like, this is so boring and I don't care at all. But we finally get to Chutney who anybody with sense knows is the murderer, not just from having seen the movie, but because there's no other possible fucking explanation except that Brooke is the murderer, which would be a valid explanation except that, um, Elle has told us 8 million times that she's a blonde at heart and blondes can't murder, which, okay, I guess that's a legal thing. I don't know. Whatever. So Chutney, who has gotten her hair permed many a time, claims that she got a perm and then went home and was in the shower so she couldn't hear the gunshot. And then Elle is like, wait a second. How did you take a shower if your hair was just permed? And Chutney is like, uh, uh, what? Uh, I mean, I did take a shower. I mean, I didn't take a shower. I mean, my hair was permed. I mean, uh, I, I did it. Did it. And it's like, all right. Okay. Here's the thing. In the movie, <laughs> in the movie, first off, there's this whole subplot of the guy who hires Elle, who's also her professor, reveals that he hired her because he thinks she's sexy and is hitting on her. And she quits because of that. She, yeah. So she quits and then her friends who she's made in this whole experience, uh, rally behind her because, um, Emmett, who is sort of her love interest in the movie, definitely her love interest in the musical. They do end up together at the end of the movie, but it's not really like a major plot thing. Mm -hmm. Um, he does not ex- exist in this book, by Sadly. the way. Which is why I thought Christopher Miles was taking that place. But Right, yes. I like thought either Christopher Miles was taking that dude. place or the mm-hmm. professor's place of ending up being a creep who hits on her. But none mm-hmm. of that happens. So in the movie, they go and get Elle, and she ends up representing Brooke with the help of Emmett, who's a lawyer. Um, so he's, like, representing Brooke, but then Elle gets to do the questioning. Yeah, like, Brooke and the fires... Whole- the professor. Yeah, Brooke fires the, the professor <laughs> and hires L and Emmett. And it's great and glorious yeah, not super and super realistic, but also very It's good. so cheesy, but I love it. Yeah, um, but yeah. so L in the cross-examining, like, asks her, like, eight million times, like, oh, so you got the perm, you got the perm, you got the shower. And she says, yes, 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 yes. In this, it's very quick. Like, she's like, got a perm, got a shower, this, this, this. It's like, why didn't she just go, oh, you know what? I actually got the perm the day before. I totally blanked. You're right. Mm-hmm. I don't but know. But instead, she's just like, her entire story is just undone by this. Well, because I think they set it up in the book to where, like, they interviewed so many people, so many witnesses mm. before that. And one of them was the hairdresser. And the hairdresser oh, was that's like, true. Yes, that's she was true. definitely here this yeah. day. So, like, yeah. whatever. But it's still just very underwhelming. Yeah. And, and then the book's over. And then the book, well, and then, um, so... Prior to this, all of the ex-wives have shown up and they're all watching and everyone's like, oh, and then we're going to have to figure out this big issue after that. And, ooh, maybe we can integrate them into this case. Like, maybe mm-hmm. they can be on her side. No, that won't work, this, that. And then they solve the chutney thing. And then the judge is like, it's obvious that he meant Brooke, the woman he's currently married to. All the rest of y'all can go suck it. 
and all the ex-wives leave. Like, why did we bring them in in the first place? What was the point? They did nothing. (sighs) Um, So Brooke gets all the money. Chutney goes to jail. Brooke and Elle become besties, along with Eugenia, who we haven't talked about at all, but she's Elle's best friend in law school. Serious best friend. Serious best friend. And Eugenia and Elle and Brooke all hang out together. And then, oh, wait, wait, first, Warner comes up after the trial. Warner comes up to Elle and is like, I guess you are serious after all. It's like, did she prove that? Did she prove anything? All it proved was that she She happens to know how perms work. Yeah. Which... Is also the case in the movie, but also Elle works really hard in the movie and is trying to do well. So this just like she lucked into it. This is very dumb. And then Warner's like, I guess we should get back together. And Elle's like, nah, not about it. But then she also also your fiance is right behind you. Yes. She like waits to make sure that Sarah is within I think Sarah was already in hearing distance because this is like the second or third time someone has been conveniently in hearing distance. Mm -hmm. Like it says like Elle noticed that Sarah was there, but it's not like Elle maneuvered him. So so I think Sarah just happened to, which is stupid. She noticed Sarah was there. And so like, I don't, I guess it could be seen as like a solidarity thing. Like I'm going to show you how big of a dick your fiance is. But she like really prolonged this conversation and like Mm, kind mm. of egged Warner on to say really mean nasty things about Sarah that she maybe didn't need to hear because she already had the evidence that her fiance was trying to get back together with Elle like yeah mm. (laughs) so she shuts Warner down she goes and hangs out with her new friends and then Sarah shows up with some new highlights and is like hey and Elle's like cool we're buddies now. And you're and that's a natural blonde. You're a natural blonde. It's like, okay, she got two highlights. Okay. You need to calm down. It was like the most rushed ending to a book. Mm. It was just, ugh. it was so unsatisfying. I hated mm. everything about it. There was no, the thing is, there was no plot in this book for Elle aside from I want to get Warner back never mind I don't want that Mm -hmm. that's her whole character arc and that's also the arc in the adaptations to some extent but they have so much other stuff with like her realizing her own self-worth yes you know other things happening rather than just her waiting around for Warner to love her and then realizing eh, not into it anymore Mm -hmm. um and it's just so it's boring it's stupid it doesn't I hated this book. I hated this book so much. It was much. so bad. And I thought, I was like, oh, okay, it's like it's summer, it's chiclet, like, let's, it's going to be an easy breezy read. But no, it was like, it was 200 something pages of trying to get through this awful, mm. I, just, just awful descriptions of awful people doing awful things. Mm-hmm. It was so bad. It was so bad. And yeah, like you said before, I don't understand how someone read this book and was like, I'm going to make a classic beloved early 2000s movie based off of it. And it's going to be fucking fantastic. I don't I don't understand how they made that jump. (laughs) I know. I I just I mean, good for them. Yeah. They managed. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look up who this the screenwriter was and we're going to give him a shout out. Hold on. It looks like it's Karen McCullough and Kirsten Smith are the names I'm coming up with. Yes. And, well, that's weird. So this book was published in 2002, wasn't it? But the movie came out in 2001. 
Um, that doesn't make sense. Let me was look. this book published in 2002? Let me double check now. Maybe just the edition I was looking at was... No, okay, it was also published in 2001. Okay. Okay, so it was a... Quick turnaround then for yeah, yeah. Kirsten Smith and Karen McCullough, like those two, are absolute geniuses. Clearly, for uh, creating anything out of this bullshit. Yes, it looks like they are also the writing team behind the House Bunny, the Anna Ferris vehicle. I've heard that's a good movie too. I just haven't seen it. I have friends who've seen it, and they said they liked it. I don't think I've seen it, though. Maybe I'll go watch that now. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's a silver lining. <laughs> no, I had a silver lining for this one. Um, okay, what is your silver silver lining? So, like we kind of mentioned, a lot of this book is either, is kind of split between legal jargon, mm-hmm. gossip about kind of California, L.A. Wait, is it L.A.? Not L.A. Malibu, L.A., yeah. Yeah, Yeah, uh, Malibu sort of like gossip and kind of commentary on social life that is out there. Kind of in the same way a lot Mm -hmm. of books do that with New York City and whatever. La Land. Yeah, yeah, that sort of idea. Both of those things are things I don't care about at all, so I found Mm -hmm. all of that very boring. But then there is a significant part that is kind of um, talking about makeup and fashion of this time period and the fashion I didn't care about too much but as anybody who's listened to a few episodes of this of this podcast can probably tell I love makeup and mm-hmm. love talking about makeup and I do I did enjoy that this was a book that for once knew what it was talking about when it came to makeup because <laughs> usually when we read these books someone says something completely insane like I shared this girl's mascara or I was a, I did have my hair dyed black, but now it's blonde, like in a day. Um, so usually I'm very mad about the makeup and stuff that appears yeah. in these books, but this was all very on point and I found it very fun kind of going through some of it. Like when they mentioned Urban Decay nail polish and gash, mm-hmm. I was like, I have that shade of lipstick, not the nail polish anymore because it's discontinued, but I have that shade of lipstick, so I found that was fun. So I really enjoyed that part of it, of just kind of like being a tour through a tour through the makeup history of the early 2000s. Props that to was Amanda fun. Brown, then, for knowing yeah. her shit. The legal shit and the LA, or the California shit, I didn't care about. But the, the little glimpses of makeup stuff was fun for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm reading her biography now. She, um, both her parents are successful lawyers, and she did go to Stanford. So, for Stanford Law School specifically. So, there could be some legitimacy to the legal jargon as well. And maybe she was teased by the dean when she got there. I don't know. know. She looks, she doesn't look blonde though. She looks like she has more like a red, red kind of color going on. Hmm. I don't know though. (laughs) There are other Elle Woods books that she wrote as well. What? Beach Blonde. And Why? Why did Vote she do Blonde, this? which I'm assuming is the plot of the second movie. Mm. But they're co-written with someone else named Natalie Standiford. Huh. Maybe those are better then. It's summer in California, and Ella's spending her days at the beach with Hunter, learning to surf and perfecting her blonde highlights. Who is Hunter? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> they have all of the bad names well, in this wait. book. Hunter wasn't one of them. 
These this is published by Disney Hyperion. Are these children? Middle grade books? I'm so fuck? confused. Hold on. Hold there are on. four Hold books on. in this series, starting with Blonde at Heart, Beach Blonde, Vote Blonde, and Blonde Love. Okay, so legally blonde's not even in the picture. So I'm guessing what happened was they made this movie. The movie was big. They're like, we want to do more books. We don't want her to write them, though. (laughs) But these came out like 2006. Yeah. So that was kind of like when. Five years later, I guess. When was Legally Blonde 2 out? 2003. Oh, gosh. That is. So. Was post-hype. Yeah. And she was she's in high school in these books. So it's like. Weird. And from what they're trying to say, it's like they're giving her this backstory of being more, like, of an activist sort of person, and weird. Huh. Okay. Weird. Well, someone out if there- If anyone has read the yeah. Legally Blonde series, not the, this the one. The L. Wood series. Sorry, the L. Wood series. Yeah. Please hit us up and let us know. How do they stack up to this book? How do they stack up to the movies, the musical? What, where yeah. would you rank them? Yeah, and how does the quality of writing differ? Because yeah. they're mostly written by someone else. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Oh, so is that, was that your silver lining was uh, the movies exist because of this book? Or the movie, I guess? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the silver lining is they, yeah, they turned this into a different medium, and it was a lot better. Because other people, oops, sorry, I'm clicking. Because other people had control over it. But also, while we're talking about the movie briefly, can you just look at the movie poster, the original movie poster for Legally Blonde? And can we talk about how outrageously badly photoshopped Reese Witherspoon is in this movie poster? Yeah. And I think another tie-in to Little House in the Big Woods, look how big her fucking (gasps) hands are compared to the rest of her body. And how tiny her waist is. The and how perfect ti- size for shovel hands. This this is Mary in an alternate universe. Grew up, didn't become blind, went to law school. <laughs> Literally, I'm looking at, because I just did like a Google search for a legally blonde movie. So I've got the poster up and then like a picture of her, like a still from the movie. Uh-huh. And she's about half the size in the poster that she yes, is in the still. It's insane. And like, oh my God. her boobs and like... How she's mess. got these textbooks pressed up mm-hmm. against her boobs like she's carrying them, but her boob, like, isn't at all shaped like there's something pressed against it. It's just like... Yeah. My- yeah, it's just like <laughs> it's, a perfectly round boob. It's gross. And if we remember, we'll tweet this out with the new episode when it yeah. goes up. But, like... <laughs> it's gross. Oh, they were still learning how to do Photoshop mm-hmm. then, I guess. But I the movie was, is very good. Movie's great. Musical's great, too. You can watch all of it on YouTube if you're into uh, cheesy, campy musicals. It's really fun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'll have to check it out, because I really don't know anything about the musical. It is great, and uh, better than this book. But was there anyone that you related to in this book? I don't think so. That's the thing. Maybe, like, maybe Underdog, her chihuahua, which in the movie, his name Hmm. is Bruiser which is a much better name yeah. for a chihuahua yeah. than underdog. Um, but yeah, I like the dog. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that because of the stuck. 8 million characters in this book, none of them had enough of personality that I could ca- like even remotely uh, like 
see myself in them. So yeah, sure. I'll go with the dog too. <laughs> it was just there. It was just along for the ride. It was a captive yeah. audience as I was. He got drunk on some champagne, which I highlighted. I was like, wait, what? No, that's dangerous. Don't put, don't feed a dog alcohol, please. Especially a very tiny little dog. <laughs> anyway. So anything, what, yeah, what would you rather be reading then? What were, what else was on your plate? Um, I haven't really thought of one. <laughs> Mine I'm is to just, think of one real quick. in general, like, I just want a really good chiclet. Right, like, I'm trying to think of, like, a really good chiclet series that I yeah, like. That we haven't um, talked about already. Ooh, maybe, um, Rainbow Rowell. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we might have talked about... Attachments very good. I was going to say Attachments or um, what's the other one about the phone? That's a good one. Oh, uh... Landline. Landline. Yeah. yeah both of those. Right um, those um, I've heard really good things. I haven't read it. It's been on my list for a while. Let me make sure I've got the author's name right, though. The The Hating Game by Sally Thorne I've heard is mm. very good. Which I think I've heard of that one. I think is about two workplace rivals. Mm. They hate each other, and then they fall in love somehow. But nice. everything I've heard about it has just been really good. Like, everyone's like, five stars, five stars, so good. So, All right. Cool. Uh, yeah, I would very tentatively suggest that. <laughs> Honestly, like, my major rather be reading for this week isn't really rather be reading. It's rather be watching, and it's literally either version of Legally Blonde. Mm, yeah, that too. Yep. All right, so I think that pretty much wraps us up for yeah. this fortnight. So next fortnight, we will be doing a rewind episode where we will be revisiting Anna's one of Anna's least favorite books from middle school-ish, mm-hmm. which is The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. So stop by for that. Um, should be great. Should be a grand old time. Uh, we, If you guys want to uh, tweet at us, we are on Twitter at HateReadCast. We are on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we are there at the Twitter. We are there at the Twitter, at HateReadCast. And you can email us, HateReadCast at gmail.com. Uh, so do that if you have read the rest of, or have read the Elwood series, or if you've yeah. ever been hazed by the dean of your law school. Yeah, that also sounds really shitty. Um, tell us, and we will, we will support you and how <laughs> shitty that was. <laughs> We're very sorry to hear about your yeah. hazing. Yeah, um, that's really bad. Um, yes, and please, um, wherever you're listening to us, subscribe to us on there. If it is iTunes, we would also appreciate that five-star review. That really helps us in the long run get even more listeners, um, which, you know, would be great. <laughs> uh, thanks, as always, to Ben Cope for our theme song. Mm-hmm. You guys can check out his YouTube in the episode description. Show notes, yes. The show notes, yeah. In the words of Amanda Brown, Elle protested, A woman my age who marries a man that old on the hope that he doesn't write her out of his will and leave it all to his daughter anyway, that's a woman who's willing to work for her money. That man had been married almost as many times as Larry King, for God's sake. He knew how to file divorce papers, but he kept brick around. That's honest work. Hard work, keeping a rich man happy. Anyone who marries for money ends up earning it. <laughs> uh, gross, gross, gross.
Sorry. Michael, I think he's home, and I'm trying to decide if Artie's going to howl really loud. Is he prowling? Artie just jumped up from where he was laying down. And All right, he went let's, to the let's pause talking about this book for a moment, minute until we find out what will happen. Yeah, and I don't see him in the parking lot, and I didn't hear him. Michael, are you here? Yeah. Oh, there no, he is. He's here. Did you start He's here. No howling. No, we're in the middle of it, which was why I was going to... Sorry, We cut were this pausing because I didn't want Artie to howl in the middle of the recording, but oh, he didn't howl, so... That's because he's a good boy. He's all right. 